0: Jesus is the living water. It caused me to think about water and hydration. It's such a common topic in these days that we live in for health. You hear about it everywhere, how much water we're supposed to drink. Like eight glasses a day, depends on the body weight and all that kind of thing, but we're supposed to try to calculate that. I see people now carrying around large jugs of water with markings on it to see how much they've gone through the day. Trying to make sure we stay hydrated, it matters. The role of water in the human body is significant. 60% of your body weight is water, the science tells us. There's water in our blood, there's water in our muscles, there's water in our bones. Our body is saturated with water, and if we get dehydrated, it affects us in so many ways. You can live without food for about six weeks, they say, but you can't live without water for more than a week. It's something that we have to be supplied with and keep it going. That's often the way Jesus teaches metaphors and life lessons through practical connections. When we understand that about the value of water in our body, and then Jesus said, I'm the living water When you drink of me, you'll never thirst again. And he's a well that just keeps going in our life. There's something about the value of staying close to Jesus that we know we need to pay attention to. We don't want to go for days without processing faith in him and asking him to show us who he is and to teach us how to follow him. That living water that Jesus puts in our life is powerful. We're going to learn about it here in John chapter 4. I'm going to read quite a bit of it and comment as we go along. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. This preface is important for this reason. John the Baptist had been preparing the way of Jesus. Jesus is just right now coming on the scene. This is the very front edge of his ministry on this earth. Because of his teaching and how attractive his message was and who he was, people were following and they were getting baptized. Jesus wasn't doing the baptizing, but he was the one that they were responding to. And then his disciples would baptize people. And now there's like people saying, hey, he's doing more than John was. They still are trying to figure out who he was. Not everybody understood This is the Messiah, the Son of God. It's dawning on them. And this journey begins for Jesus. From Judea, he departs for Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. In that time, the sixth hour was about noon. It's the heat of the day at the time that he was walking and traveling. He was now thirsty himself. He sits by the well, not having access to draw the water because it's deep. And he's waiting for someone to come when a woman from Samaria arrives. Verse 7, a woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. This story is unfolding and these details are critical for us to get all of we want to get, need to get from it. Samaritans were despised in that day. Jews had no dealings with them. What had transpired leading up to this situation where they were looked down upon, Jews had intermarried with Gentiles. And in some of their view, they had, they had brought devaluing to who they were. And Samaritans come from these unions. And now they're looking at the Samaritan people as lesser than the true bloodline of the Jewish people. These problems have existed in humankind from the beginning of time, and it doesn't sound that much different from the way people relate to one another today in our time. We have people that look down on other people based on where they're from, based on their tribe, based on their bloodline, based on many things, their religion, the country they live in, where they come from. All these things are still happening today, where there are some people who despise other people for no reason, not because of who they are and their character and their spirit, but because they just come from a different place and a different space. This is what was happening here. How Jesus relates to this woman causes us to take notice and realize that this is the way Jesus rolls. This is the way God rolls. This is the way he views the world. That all men are created equal. And he's not looking down on anybody. People of the day were, but not Jesus. Another problem was Jews, and particularly interacting with Samaritans, is off limits. So is this man talking to this woman. They had gender issues. Another problem that people have had throughout all of time is gender issues, male dominance, putting others down for no other reason than they can. Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus comes to a Samaritan woman. All kinds of things are going sideways here in the minds of the religious elite. What are you doing? She's not of the right tribe, and she's a woman. Why are you doing these things? And Jesus so gives dignity to this woman, because that's who he is, that's who he wants us to be, that we see everyone as of value, equal value, and no one's here to dominate anyone, we're here to love, we're here to come alongside, we're here to give value and dignity to one another every step of the way. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Jesus turns the message around. If you would know who I really am, you'd be asking me for living water. He's now not even talking about the physical water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. She's trying to get what he's saying. She knows it's quite remarkable. She's still thinking it's about the physical thirst. He's telling her there's something much deeper. If you drink of the water that I have to give, you'll have a well in you that will keep springing up all the way to eternal life. Jesus in you will take you from where you are through every battle, through every trial, through every skirmish you'll ever go through. He'll take you from here all the way to eternal life, and there'll be no separation anywhere in between, no matter what. And we put our faith in him, we drink of a living water that's with us forever. This is the message of Jesus that he's getting across to this woman. It gets better. Jesus said to her, go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands Jesus said to her, I am, I who speak to you am he. He's revealing himself as the Messiah right here, right now to this Samaritan woman who has been married and divorced five times and is currently living with a man that she's not married to. And Jesus treats her with dignity. When you see the interactions and you see how the woman responds to him, she didn't feel put down by the revelation that Jesus had, by the knowledge that he had of her life. She didn't run away and go, oh, you know everything about me, I'm, I'm dead now, I'm, I'm gonna get out of here, what are you gonna do to me? She kept talking, she kept asking, inquiring more, who are you, what's going on here, you must be a prophet. There's a Messiah coming, she says. She knows about that. He'll tell us everything we need to know. And Jesus says, that's, that's actually who you're talking to. That's me. This is so amazing. Here we have a broken person, and it's not much different than the world we live in today. How many broken people are in this room right now? How many people have been through some broken relationships? How many families have been torn apart by the trials that life brings? The enemy tries to tear us down. There are things that happen. We want to put all kinds of strife onto people who've had broken lives. What does Jesus do? He tries to take all the strife away. He says, you're broken. You've been married five times. You're living with somebody right now. In church, we'd be going... You need to get away from that. You're living out of wedlock. You're sinning. You need to get yourself together. It's what we'd be preaching. Jesus, the Son of God, says, if you let me in, I'll give you water. You'll never thirst again. He knows that when somebody lets him into their life, the Spirit of God will do the work that needs to be done to bring us to a right way, to a right way of thinking, to wholeness. This woman was so broken and so not whole, she didn't know what she could do. She didn't know who she could be with. How, she, how could she live without having this kind of struggle in her life? She didn't know it could be any better. She didn't know that Jesus could make that kind of, there's people that don't know that there's another way to live than the one they're on. And that brokenness so takes the life out of us. But Jesus doesn't despise that person. He never does. He never will. If he didn't do it that day when he's announcing himself as the Messiah to the world, the very day of his announcement he says, I'm here for you. I'm here for broken people. I'm here for people that aren't living right. I'm not here to give you trouble. I'm here to give you life. I'm here to give you hope. I'm here to give you grace. And this woman is shocked can't believe that she's being loved on, that she's being cared for, just then the disciples came back, this gets interesting, it's just been the two of them, the reason she was there at noon in the heat of the day, most of the women would come to draw water from the well in the cool of the morning, they didn't want to go in the heat of the day, she went by herself because she felt so ashamed, she didn't want to interact with other people, She didn't want to have things going on where people are judging her, so she went in the heat of the day just to escape the crowd, because everybody knew about her. Everybody knew her five husbands. Everybody knew the guys she's with, and she goes there to be alone when Jesus shows up. Whenever you're alone, Jesus shows up. You're never alone. When you realize that Jesus is there for you, he will always show up in your darkest moment. He will always show up when everything looks like it's totally broken. Jesus is going to show up. He does that day one. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, What do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? When she said that, she wasn't feeling put down. You got you to gotta come and see this person. How did he know these things? He said everything I ever did, but could this be the Christ? Like, you got to come. They went out of the town and were coming to him. They listened to her. She was so touched, you could tell in her spirit what had changed. I got that feeling when Saul and I were talking a moment ago. You never know what's going to come out of our hearts. And Saul talked about finding Jesus from the influence of other people. And there's a, there's a, A tear that comes from that moment. That's what happens to this woman. To have knowing that she's not in a good place didn't break her down. It it caused her to realize that Jesus was there to build her up. And that's where the emotion comes from. The emotion comes from it's good now. He cares about me. I'm not that despised person anymore. That's where the emotion comes from. I'm whole. I'm healed. He'll do that for anybody, no matter how far down that path we've gone. This is who he is. (laughs) Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. What do we get sustenance from? Obviously, physically, we know I love to eat. I'm going to do that as soon as I get out of here today. I love to eat. We need that. But what really gives us meaning is to do the will of God. Jesus said, what I get sustenance from is to do the will of my Father. When you and I figure that out and we're doing God's will, we'll find complete healing and complete purpose in our life. Do, not, do, do you not say there are yet four months and then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. Some of us sow, the person's not ready yet, but they're here, ain't it? Someone else comes along, sows a little more, a little water, someone comes along and reaps the result. We don't know where we're at in the line of people that are having influence in somebody who doesn't know him yet. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see the fields that are white for harvest. For Verse 37, for here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Look at that. Now there's a whole bunch of people coming to faith, getting the living water in their life too because of this one woman's faith. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days, and many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. We sow some seeds. They're going to come and hear it for themselves. They're going to come to Jesus on their own. They'll hear it from him and there's a transformation that comes. This is amazing encounter on day one of Jesus' exposure as a Messiah when he announces himself. You're looking for the Messiah, the one you're talking to, that's, that's me. Here's some lessons to take home. It reminds us that only Jesus can offer living water. No one else can. Jesus is the only living water giver. There's no way to get eternal life. There's no way to get to heaven except through the grace of Jesus. He died on the cross. We had communion today. His sacrifice is what covers us. His blood is what cleanses us. Our faith in him sets us free. He is the living water. It's beautiful to know that, that Jesus offers us living water. Second, it shows the importance of sharing your testimony. When the woman believed herself she went away quickly to say, hey, you gotta come and hear this guy. She shared her testimony. She, didn't, she hadn't been to Bible school to figure out how to defend her faith. That wasn't what it was about. She was just saying, I wanna tell you what happened to me. I wanna tell you about who I met. Sometimes we think we have gotta know more than we do before we start telling other people about God. No, we just need to know him. Share our testimony. It's my experience. Let me tell you what happened to me. Let me tell you what's changed in my heart. Let me tell you the burden that got lifted from my heart when I have Jesus in my life. Many of the Samaritans believe because of the testimony of one woman, one broken down woman, one despised woman, ethnically despised, gender despised, behaviorally despised, religiously despised by the religious elites of the day. And Jesus starts his ministry with a very broken person to make her whole by the living water that he puts in every human soul to say that everyone can be set free, everyone can have life. There's not one that's outside my reach and I don't look down on anybody. If we do, we've got a problem because we're not doing the Jesus thing. Having a testimony. This week, I had a crew at my house. My wife and I decided uh, stuff accumulates. You know, we've been married 42 years. We've been in one house for 20. And like when we buy something new over 20 years, you know, she she loves Christmas. Every Christmas, she buy some new Christmas decorations. But it just comes on top of 20 years worth of other. And it's just, the garage is just ridiculous, a mess. I mean, it looks like hoarders. And we were both thinking this isn't good and we didn't have the energy to tackle it. And I heard that there's people that actually you can hire to do this kind of thing. I'm like, that's just awesome. Somebody that would do this for me. So we found somebody through Thumbtack. Thumbtack has reviews, find somebody, found some good reviews. This leader of this crew brought four people for three days. Wednesday, I took the day off just to be at home working on the garage with them. They put tables out, they throw everything on the table. You decide, throw this, keep that. It's quite the journey. (laughs) Then Thursday, we took a break. Then Friday, Saturday, we had two more days. Doing the garage, it took two days to do the garage, and then coming in the house to do the pantry to do the laundry room, to do a couple other things, like I'm embarrassed to say. So having this crew, I didn't know them. Day one in the garage, they're finding stuff. They found four Bibles in my garage I didn't know were there. I mean, they were buried somewhere. One of them had my dad's name on it. It was a treasure to me. Two of them had my name inscribed on them, four Bibles, and they, had, they found other books. They had a table of just books, and they're asking me what to do. I'm like, well, let's just box them up. We'll donate them. And they said, these Bibles, right? They put these four Bibles on top of each other, and they're not really faith people. I was learning this as we go. And the leader said to me, I'm not touching those Bibles, you can tell me what to do with all those books. We are not throwing any Bibles away. I'm just telling you, I'm not going to have that on me. I don't know that much about it, but I know enough that I'm not touching those Bibles. I'm like, good option. Then she asked me, so what do you do? We hadn't had that conversation yet. I guess it's obvious. I'm a minister, and I pastor a church, and then she had thrown a couple of words out here and there that you know were interesting. And... Then she starts apologizing, I, I shouldn't have said, I said. Oh, don't worry about it. We're good. Like it's okay. And we started a relationship of testimony. And we had two more days. And then I was day one by myself. And then Kathy joined me for the stuff inside. They cleaned out the pantry. They were throwing away cans that were outdated, like you know expiration. It was so cleaned out that she says to me at one point, like, I'm sorry, we're throwing it, you're not gonna have any food to eat. I'm like, oh, I know, but well, we have a good pantry at the church. I can check that out. I don't know. We'll figure it out. There was a young man, he was 20 years old. We were dealing with papers in, in the office space. It was just finding papers from 2001. Why? Never thrown them away. He's tossing stuff and we're talking and he starts asking me about how long we've been married. He's 20. I met my wife at 20. He's wanting to know about that. When did you get married? At 21. He's thinking about that. He wants to know how, how do you stay married for 42 years? He said, I want that. He's not a faith guy. He's finding books we're going through at the office. There's a bunch of books in this cabinet and he's asking, can I have that book? I'm like, yeah. He's like, is there any other books you think I should have? I'm like, sure. (laughs) We're having a testimony time. By the time they left my house last night at 9 p.m., it was not meant to be, but it took that much time to get it squared away. I need a semi-trailer to take the garbage from my driveway now, but it feels so good. I actually feel very light today having all this done. At the same time, I feel really encouraged because I thought I was de-hoarding, decluttering, and what I was doing was testifying. And by the time we were done, the leader said, you know, I had a breakup with God, had a baby that the umbilical cord got wrapped around the baby's neck and was stillborn, and ever since that day, I, I, I just, couldn't respond to God, like I blamed it on him. And we have had so much conversation now and Kathy's interaction with her, and she's like, you know what? I need to get back to church. I need to when I get home, I need to find a church. What time are your services? I told her you can find them online, but we'll help you find they live in Modesto. They came up from Modesto for this work. I can help you find a church. Now we're having God conversations. She could see we love Christmas. She's like Can you get a stocking for me? I'll come back for Christmas. Like, We're actually wondering if we should. There was so much more going on with these four souls that were actually very tender-hearted. And who knows that my declutter session was actually not a declutter, but a adding to the kingdom of heaven, that there is water that is living water that flows through us, and we need to testify. That's what we're here for. How do you view the people around you? What are we here for? This world is so nuts right now and people are so negative about other people that they don't agree with. People are calling other people names. That's not what Jesus does. To the broken, he says, I'm here for you. I value you, I can help you. Somebody doesn't have your politics and we demean them and we despise them and we degrade them and we demonize them. We do. Why? That's not Jesus. That's not what he does. We're here to testify about the living water. What's gonna change their views to get more in line with how you view the world because of your faith is having faith too. And so we testify about Jesus to people that we don't agree with. My heart is let's go to where they are and let's not puke on them. Let's share God's grace with them. Let's give them some life. Give them some water. Give them something to drink. We're here to testify. This story shows that Jesus loves the world, the whole world. This week, we had the sheriff's department graduation from the academy in this room. That's what this was set up for. Twenty-five cadets that graduated from the sheriff's department. This room is full with law enforcement and families. Why do we do that? Because we're here to testify. We want people in this room that can catch the spirit of God, that can catch that there's something different about this place, about this connection that we have. What can we do to testify? What can we do to share his love and share his life? We did that this week in this room. Wednesday night, we had a car bash for our youth. They had an amazing time. What do we do that for? I saw somebody's comment online that was demeaning the idea that they were having an activity that was violent. Like, come on. It's an attraction. I want to take something and crash a car myself. Sometimes you need to get the aggression out of you properly. And it's about attracting people. People. We get so religious. So we had yesterday 1,500 cars come through. It was lined up for two and a half hours. People waited over an hour in the line just to come through it. Our team was Amazing. What they did in the context, they took names as people were coming through, got 300 families, new names that haven't been here before, communicating with them that, hey, you should check out church sometime. What do we do that for? Oh, you can't do something on Halloween. Come on, drop your religion. Drop your religion and start loving on people. We wanna call it a harvest festival. I don't care what you call it. Call it Halloween. We don't celebrate the devil's holiday. We love people. We care about those souls. There's broken people that need the life flow of Jesus and the river of life that flows out from us. And we can love on them with some candy and some silly string and some costumes and some crazy happy times. And I don't care if you call it Halloween or harvest festival or trunk or treat. I don't even know what that means. Whatever you want to call it doesn't really matter to me. Just let the river of life flow. Let the joy flow. Let the love flow. I need to quit. We are called to worship Jesus in spirit and in truth. His spirit is in us. We're here to worship him when our spirit connects with his spirit. And because it is truth as to who he is, he said, you're looking for the Messiah, or the person you're talking to. That's me. I've come to help you. I've come to set you free no matter what's going on in your life, no matter how bad or how good. Sometimes people think they're so good they don't need God. That's not possible. There's nobody good enough to match up the perfection of the Messiah, Jesus, who's beautiful in all of his ways. Every one of us needs the living water, and when we come to him, we take of a well. That keeps flowing and keeps flowing and never runs dry. When you come into an obstacle, when you have a breakdown, He doesn't separate from you. You've still got that water in you. If you've still got that well, He's gonna come back in and come through you. Once again, we just keep in the flow of His presence and of His Spirit. We can worship Him in spirit and in truth. Father God, we pray for your love to fill us deeply and fully today. We ask for your grace to cover. If you need his grace, just believe him for it. Pray this prayer. Jesus, I believe in you as the Messiah. I know I have sinned, and I ask you to forgive me. I want to follow you. I want the well of life, the river of life, that water that you give me all the way to eternal life. I receive that by faith right now in Jesus' name.